everybody, welcome to another episode of Shot by Shot. This is Sean. This is Kevin. And we have a very special guest for you today. Mr. Daniel Warren Johnson joins us. Uh, so you may know Daniel from his work on Extremity and Murder Falcon. And most recently for DC Comics, Wonder Woman, yeah. Dead Earth. Oh yeah, his, his stuff is just amazing. The first time I saw it, I was completely drawn in when Extremity number one came out and then really enjoying this new Wonder Woman series that uh, I, I just have to say, I've got to give DC some kudos for taking a chance and doing this kind of a story, but really enjoying it. Yeah, I always love it when DC kind of ignores the entire concept of house style and lets someone like Daniel Warren Johnson, who can perfectly meld the chaos of uh, Akira era manga with, with some more European centric aesthetics and the man just makes battlefields like I, I've never seen his chaos is yeah. near perfect yeah, he, he is the bringer of chaos without a doubt and uh, I love every panel yeah absolutely so this is going to be a two-parter but uh, we got the first one going today and also we'll be drinking a lot of alcohol well Kevin Daniel and I will uh, Brian's still sticking to his espressos and teas. Yeah, <laughs> he's the smart one. Yes, he is. All right, everybody, enjoy. Hi, this is uh, Brian Stolfries. Hey, this is Kevin Gardner, uh, publisher at 12 Gauge Comics and alcohol enthusiast. Uh, hey, guys, this is Sean, and thank you so much for coming back. For another week to listen, and we have a very esteemed guest this week. He's one of my favorite artists, and you may know him from Extremity and Murder Falcon, and more recently, Wonder Woman Dead Earth. Mr. Daniel Warren Johnson, how are you doing on this evening? I'm doing great this evening. I'm hanging in. I got my shrimp cocktail, and my (laughs) wife is making me a, a Japanese highball. She's doing the dishes right now, but eventually it'll come down. So, so wait, your your wife is a mixologist, which is correct. Several steps above what we would recognize as a bartender. Like this is alcohol is an art to her, right? I would say that is correct. Yes, I think mixologist is kind of snooty, but yes, it it is true. <laughs> All right, so so let's <laughs> let's say so first. I, I have to ask, what's your favorite drink, and what exactly is in a Japanese highball? Well, my favorite drink uh, is a Japanese highball. Um, did you ask what, what what my wife's favorite drink was? Because I definitely turned it around on me. If that's the case, my bad. No, no, <laughs> no, no. You you answered that as I as it was asked. But I would love to know what your wife prefers as well. Oh man, so I got to be honest. I'm not even really a cocktail person. Um, I'm much more of a beer, wine guy, or straight liquor. I don't like sugar in my drinks at, much at all. So. Um, that's why Japanese highball for me is the way to go. It's just uh, sparkling water, uh, some whiskey, and so in a ice with ice and a um, like a lemon peel, and that's it. So it's wow. basically like you know, so a whiskey and soda. But I'm being a butthead and calling it a Japanese highball. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I kind of get the vibe that that is a hangoverless cocktail. It seems like it would burn very very cleanly. Well, it, it doesn't really burn at all, really, because ideally, the thing that makes it a Japanese highball is the Japanese whiskey that you put in it. So, uh, and, you know, that stuff is real nice. Uh, we've got some Nika coffee grain that we usually use, and um, it's just a great brand and uh, tastes fantastic. And it, I, 
I don't drink a ton, and I'm also a lightweight, so I've never actually been hungover in my entire life. Yeah, that's impressive. I'm I'm not a I'm not a drinker, and I've been hungover, so uh, that's that's really <laughs> impressive stuff. Dude. I mean that that's that shows a great amount of um, self awareness. I guess is a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> that's impressive. I always tap out at two. I'm like, guys, I gotta go to bed. Uh, is, so, Kevin, Brian, awesome. what are you guys imbibing on this fine evening? Um, for uh, for me, I decided uh, to go with like a, a nice uh, dark roast shot of uh, espresso. I uh, also got like uh, some non-homogenized milk so that I can uh, make myself a latte. So I'm absolutely completely naive about this. What is non-homogenized milk as opposed to homogenized milk? It's like single cow origin you know, it's uh, basically <laughs> rather than a team of cows making your milk, it's just one of them doing it. Okay. Oh, I love this. I love this. <laughs> is the taste evident? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I I haven't gotten to the point where I know the cow personally, and uh, and I can tell you the life that he's lived or anything like that. But um, but usually you get a you get a better stretch. Uh, from the uh, from the milk, if the uh, if the milk is is a little bit more natural rather than um, commercial milk doesn't have uh, as good um, a uh, a foam to it. Okay. Oh, it just sounds better than free range cow. Or <laughs> <laughs> antibiotic free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the words of my drink are not nearly as cool as non homogenized, uh, but it is. <laughs> It's a very old Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. I'm doing Jefferson's Reserve tonight. Oh, nice. You always outshine us. Well, it, it's not going to take long, though. Like, by, by episode five or six, I'm just going to be drinking Jack and Coke. I mean, you know, it's like <laughs> I'll have made it through all the good stuff. <laughs> I like I like how you're starting with the good stuff early. You know, you're not, you're not even wasting your time. You're just like, no, 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 I'm not saving this. We're going whole hog right in. <laughs> podcast lingo this is like showing a little leg right i mean with the, <laughs> nobody can see it <laughs> and for all you guys know i'm i'm really just drinking the cheap stuff from sam's or or uh, costco oh kirkland mm. kirkland whiskey yeah kirkland whiskey oh man yeah, yeah that's got to be like burn, burning going down Woo. <laughs> That'll give you the hangover the next day, for yeah. sure. Well, I wouldn't know, but I have had it, and it is uh, ooh, not fun. <laughs> yeah. Not a hangover, but I've had a shot of Kirkland, and wow. <laughs> Man, I'm coming off like really elitist right now. Japanese whiskey, Korean short rib, oh boy. Uh, yeah, well, that's, Shop, that's shopping good at stuff, Whole Foods. <laughs> yeah. Well, it kind of is a, a general rule. Never drink whiskey. From the same company that makes pants and underwear, so like, you know, I've got my Kirkland socks, my Kirkland jeans, and my Kirkland whiskey. I'm good to go. No, that's that's just not right. Yeah, that's that's that doesn't sound good. <laughs> you know, that's that's like airport sushi. Yeah, that's just <laughs> now that I've had. <laughs> that can't be good. I mean, so you have had a hangover. It just wasn't from alcohol. There you yeah. go. I hang over from airport sushi. Uh, so, Mr. Daniel Warren Johnson, uh, I'm sorry, I have to say all three parts of your name. It's just so ingrained in me. I know, but it's so embarrassing. <laughs> not at all, man. Talk to us about your recent book, Wonder Woman Dead Earth. I mean, 
before this, you've done your independent projects. So what convinced you to go over and work on such a hallowed property? Oh, man. Well, I mean, it kind of started with when Murder Falcon, my book before Wonder Woman, uh, was coming to an end. I was finishing working on it. I was trying to figure out what would be next. And I had a few visual ideas insofar of like what I wanted to do next, but nothing nothing was really coming to the brain as far as like what the book would be about or what I'd be trying to say. Um, there was no real creative ammo as far as a like story level, like something that could really inspire the story and like make it take on a life of its own. So I started thinking about the idea of maybe I should, you know, take a break and play in somebody else's sandbox for a little while. And uh, I started reaching out and I reached out to Marvel and I reached out to DC and uh, a DC actually reached out to me and they asked if I would be interested in writing and drawing something over there and uh, specifically a black label book. So it would be more fitting of my style. And I said, wow, this is awesome. Um, I'd love to do a rated X uh, Dial H for Hero book, and they said no. <laughs> wait, was it, wait, 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 wait. Was that a? I can't tell if you're joking. Was that a real pitch? Oh yeah, I mean, I was the first thing I said. Eh? My editor Andy Curry, we were on the phone, and he's like, "So, what would you like to do?" And I was like, "Oh, I'd love to do an X-rated Dial H for Hero book. What do you think?" And just right there, he's like, "No, no, that's not going to happen. No." <laughs> oh man, I'm sure the Dial H for Hero fan <laughs> is disappointed. <laughs> Well, I would have been so irreverent for all, I mean, all the fans would, I think would have ended up hating me because it would just would have been like the Tarantino version of Dial H for Hero. Just me reminiscing of all the amazing comics that I read of Dial H for Hero and taking them and just putting a lot of blood and gore in them. Oh, wow. (laughs) Dial H for Heroes, man. That's a real, that's a deep cut right there, man. That's, that's not for the, for the drive-by fan. That's, that's for the. For the hardcore fans. <laughs> I know, that's true. Leave it to me to be like, yeah, I'd like to do the uh, D-list property that uh, <laughs> yeah. nobody is interested in. And if, you, you know, if it was contemporary, it would have to be, you know, dial pound H for heroes. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, the, um, the, the good thing about doing stuff like that is I think the possibility of doing the best Batman book is it's almost impossible. There's just way too much competition. But you could have possibly done the best Dial H for Hero book ever. You know what? You're so right. I've missed an opportunity to make the best Dial H for Hero book in the whole in the history of comics. I missed that. Oh my god. It's funny that you mentioned that because Andy, after I pitched him this idea. He's like, no, 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 that won't work. And I was like, okay, I'd like to do a slice of life story about Pa Kent where he has to struggle with his own Christianity after learning that there are aliens when his son lands or, you know, when his adopted son lands. And he also said no to that. Uh, Wow. (laughs) That was deep, but also (laughs) completely opposite than your X-rated Dial H for Heroes. I like to operate in extremes when I can. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but, but you're talking about something that would be something that's just slightly less controversial than Batman's dick. <laughs> you know? yeah. Totally. Well, I mean, like, DC Comics has always hinted at, like, Kent's being pretty, not conservative, but, like, they definitely have some sort of faith background, I feel like. I've totally oh, yeah. in- wow. interpreted that. So then it would just be me saying, okay, let's cut the bullshit and shine a light on it, why don't we? <laughs> Oh man, man, that's something that just love to do. 
I would have yeah. loved that. I think I think that would have been just absolutely awesome. Did you used to read Hellblazer before they sanitized it? When it was like Brian Azzarello or oh, yeah, yeah, Warren yeah. Ellis? Those were some dirty, dirty comics. True. When you think about it, DC has published some of the dirtiest mainstream comics we've ever read. And when I say dirty, I mean that with the utmost love. Like they weren't afraid totally. to go down any rabbit hole. Yeah, well, I mean, even even the Killing Joke. You know, you look you look back at the Killing Joke. It's just like, wow, they would never publish this book now. No, it's not. You're did fine. I read the Hellblazer before they sanitized it? Is did I read it after? And that answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I think, Daniel, like you're just a couple years too late for those pitches to be greenlit. But those sound like great pitches. You know, it's just uh, I got I just was being honest with, you know, where my thought process was with um, with Andy. And, you know, to his credit, Andy Curry was just like anything that he knew wouldn't work. He was just like, nope, nope won't work like he kind of knew where we could find success so he kind of turned the tables on me and was like okay we're thinking more the Danny warren johnson take on an a-list character and i was like oh okay well that helps narrow kind of what you're hoping to get for me so i honestly didn't have any ideas at the time so i said let me you know take a week or so and think about it and uh as i was thinking about it um i was like man Kind of like it was said before, like, I really don't have anything else to add to the Batman universe because how is it, how am I going to top anything uh, that oh, yeah. come before? Yeah. And All-Star Superman exists. So forget trying to do Superman. Um, it's a, Those are some of my favorite stories. That's one of my favorite comics ever. So, but what I could honestly say is like, man, I've never had a desire to even pick up a Wonder Woman book. And that's like no offense to any sort of creative team that ever worked on Wonder Woman. I just like the visual presentation of the character just was never something that really got me excited. So I was, it it kind of became like a challenge for me to think about like, Hey, could I make a wonder woman story that I would want to draw? And the more that I did research on wonder woman, I was like, man, I'm really getting into her vibe. And like, you know, she's not afraid to say, I love you to anybody who walks by. Um, (laughs) She's just like really out there and she's weird. And, her character is so different than the other part of the Trinity, Batman and Superman. And she's always, in my opinion, kind of getting overshadowed just because she's not the cultural zeitgeist right now for whatever reason. It's always Batman, or at least in comics. Um, yeah. You know, Wonder Woman is a great movie, you know, in that well, regard. I'm, but yeah, yeah. I really like your um, I really like your take on, on Wonder Woman uh, because to me, Wonder Woman's just one of those characters. It's just like I, I think Batman. Everybody knows who Batman is. You know, everyone knows who Superman is. And and most, I think, of the uh, top tier characters are characters that are pretty much chiseled in stone. But uh, but I don't think Wonder Woman is quite like that. You know, I don't think your average person can describe the universal, you know, Wonder Woman. Uh, and uh, and I think your take on Wonder Woman is kind of this, you know, where you've done this thing where it's just like, OK, she's a hippie who will kick your ass. You know, and, and and I really the the fact that you're 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 balancing that like oh free love kind of thing, but also the warrior thing at the same time, uh, and, uh, right and that's that's really cool. Thank you very much. Yeah, you know, it, it it sets it sets up a, a neat kind of conflict in the character that 
I, I don't think even the character can be aware of. You know, it's just like, okay, I just, sure. I just got through, I just got through, you know, killing a bunch of creatures, but I don't want you people to fight. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, there's this tension there that kind of exists in her character just in general, like, which is, it's cool that you brought it up. Um, she's always trying to find a way not to fight, but she also has a temper, and so. Um, she's, you know, there's kind of this almost like tension within her that she doesn't even know exists yet. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, and I think, um, in, in that way, there's, um, and it's weird. I, I don't know if, uh, if this is something that you, you personally strive for, but, uh, but, but there's a thing that I, that I notice in, in your work, um, which I think, um, really shows itself in Wonder Woman is there's almost that samurai philosophy where you hear these stories of these samurais where when they're not busy chopping people's heads off and running swords through people, they would sit in their caves and do watercolors and white, write haikus and poetry. You know, and, and it's just like that dichotomy of, of like, oh, I want to balance the destruction with the creation. And, uh, and, and yeah, okay. Yeah, I and I, I, I love, I love that, uh, I love that touch that you have, um, you know, sort of uh, in uh, in the Wonder Woman story. And I think a lot of that um, shows up uh, in the uh, extremist story also. Um, in fact, Thanks, man. one of the things, yeah, one of the things that I was going to ask you is, um, is if um, Kurosawa an influence on some of the stuff that you do? That's a great question. I don't know if he's an influence on a storytelling level at least as far as like um, emotions and like plot beats and things like that. But insofar of a visual inspiration, he's huge. So mostly with like composition, especially composition of still images or still imagery. Um, I, one of my favorite activities is to put on Kurosawa and uh, I might even like not even having the sound on. I might be listening to music, but I'm just pausing uh, whenever I see a composition that, gets me really jazzed and i'll sketch oh, it in a sketchbook and i will steal the shit out of it and take it for myself well you know one of the one of the things and, and i think um you know I'm, I'm i'm sort of when when i look at kurosawa and i see what i think are, are daniel tracks you know sort of sort of kind of like sure. around you know sort of uh, at the scene of the crime it's it's like the way that you uh and and there's there's no uh I think easy way to describe it, which is the way that you play with air to release tension. And, and I think, I think you, you do these things where you'll, you'll crowd the panel in these sort of moments of, of just people doing stuff. And there's like backgrounds and there's characters and there's all sorts of stuff. And, and to a certain extent, the composition isn't so in your face. But then when you have a moment where shit's about to go down, <laughs> you you open up the space with this air. And I think that's the thing that I love about Kurosawa is oftentimes when the fight is happening, it's just a salad on screen. But the moments right before the fight, you know, is just like a line with a guy standing on it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right on. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think you uh, you really do that well, and and I and I think that contrast between just 
blood and gore and you're just looking at all this stuff happening and all this and it feels like almost you know just really cacophonous just really noisy but then you just cut to like just a scene that's just like oh my god that's just open you know and uh and it is it's it's a real tension like you know sort of either releaser or that moment right before the lightning strikes where you can kind of feel that static charge thank you so much that's that's awesome daniel Um, i have a far more basic point of appreciation i'd like to express okay saw it in extremity and i saw it in wonder woman i'm so happy that it made a repeat appearance motherfucking mouth hands (laughs) (laughs) do you know what i'm talking about oh yeah (laughs) tell me tell me what tell me what you're talking about so the villain in extremity had mouth hands Oh yeah, mouth on his hands that he chomped things off, chomped off a guy's head, yep. chomped off these hands, and then Cheetah also had mouth hands. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, dude, I thought that was your thing, man. Man, I <laughs> it is like, now. Cheetah, you know, Cheetah looks really boring. I'm going to put a Cheetah hand on her and call it a mutation, and that's going to be Cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love the design. She was beautiful. I mean, in a horrific way. So it just says in the script, my scripts are very simple. It's like Cheetah shows up in the fighting pit and he fights Wonder Woman. And wow, you know, I send them pages of, at like maybe 10, 20 pages at a time. And there's just these pages that show up on the on their, you know, box.com account, the FTP of just Cheetah with a Cheetah arm. So my editor's like, holy cow, Cheetah has a Cheetah arm. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So, so there's, there's no warning it's just it's just stuff stuff that's happening exactly oh man well that's 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 just really cool dude um but uh but yeah i mean it, it's i i wasn't really familiar with your uh your stuff and then i started kind of like just combing through the uh some of the uh some of the stuff that you've done and uh and it's it's one of the things that that i love is is it's so far outside of what I do that I find that I have a greater appreciation for because it's like, I can just sit back and just enjoy it. <laughs> you know? Right um, on, right on. Uh, and, uh, and, and I just, I love the um, kind of the organic approach that you take to things. I mean, everything just has that like very, you know, organic. It's, it's hard for me to do tech and not make it look new. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, okay. but uh, yeah, but the uh, but the tech that uh, that you do, man, it just it just looks like it's it's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it's 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 good stuff, man. And um, and and another thing that I want to you know um, kind of wrap with you about, I think there are artists and there are storytellers, and the thing that I equate that to is like in acting um, or in movies. I think there are stars and there are actors you know and it's it's a, a completely different thing like I, I consider gary oldman like an actor i have no idea who gary oldman is you know when he's just being gary oldman <laughs> you know i i have no idea what his actual personality is because he completely changes himself for every character that he does and um you have people like sean connery is a star because even when he's playing like a Russian submarine captain, he has his 
like Welsh accent. <laughs> you know, I think with uh, with comics, there are uh, artists and there are storytellers, and and I think the storytellers, their art only exists to bolster their story, the movement, the timing, the sense of being. And there are other people who are like artists. You just want to look at every page and go, wow, like you're walking through an art gallery. And I, and, and I think you're, you know, above and beyond like a, uh, like a storyteller. One of the things that I especially love about what you, what you do is that sense of time. You know, like, um, like one of the things that I admire is uh, with, the, uh, with the silo character. We almost never see the silo character doing something. We always see them see him after the thing has been done. <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's like yeah. he's he's moving so fast that we don't hardly ever see him in the process. You know, it's like oh, yeah. we just missed it, but we can just see the aftermath of uh, of what the character did. I mean, is that is that something that you're you're pushing with the character, or is that something that uh, that you just kind of go with? You know, I'm a big fan of the of like the old school American comics artists. I've taken a lot of inspiration from them, like the greats of the silver, uh, the golden age of comics and silver age too. This is not a bad thing, but there's like this literalness to a lot of the action that you see in American comics that has translated through the years, through the decades of, you know, taking what Kirby basically, you know, brought to the table and expanding upon it. But you don't have that same kind of cultural imagery in in storytelling and movement in like other parts of the world. I've been a fan of manga since I was 13 Japanese imagery, especially as insofar as like showing motion and uh, you know, like you said, time and action and placement and movement within the context of a page is something that I've been studying, you know, ever since I was a kid. And I knew that there was something different about manga when I read it for the first time, because I'd only read, american comics up to that point but i couldn't really put my finger on it yet and it took a long time not really until maybe later on in my college career maybe even after college where i really started being able to notice the difference of why does that punch feel like why does it feel so energetic when i look at it in manga and there's this again it's not a negative thing i don't mean to color it negatively but you know there's this there's this leadedness to the way that a lot of American comics look when it comes to action. It's always kind of, it's been my goal from the start to have that dynamic, so dynamic you can't even believe it's on a 2D page, um, mixed with the heaviness and the weight of what you'd find from like a Kirby drawing and try and marry those two. So I've got this, the way that I'm drawing my lines are, I'm taking inspiration from a lot of the the greats, you know, like like Buscema and you know Kirby, and there's so many Simonson. There's so many you can, you know, pen and ink artists from the comics in America that you could name. But then I'm also trying to bring in that you know lightness and that sense of time and space from so many different manga artists like Masamune Shiro, um, Otomo. There's oh uh, yeah, that, in fact, name. Uh, the the funny thing is when when I first saw your stuff, I thought, wow, okay, this is almost as if Paul Pope and, you know, sort of, um, Otomo had a baby. This is really, you know, sort of odd, odd mix of stuff. And, uh, and one, one of the things that I think is, is, is interesting, and it might be in, in line with what you're talking about is, um, 
when I started studying Japanese comics, one of the things that I, I thought was really interesting is that American comics is primarily about the moment and iconography. And, and that's what I get from Kirby. Mm, Kirby does like a celebration of the iconography of that moment. But the Japanese school tends to be, okay, we're not going to give you the moment. We're going to give you the second before the moment or the second after the moment. Yep. And, and I think the thing that's interesting about that is if you show the second before the moment, you're collaborating with the reader and getting them to provide the next second. And the same with the follow-through. When you, when you give them the follow-through, you're collaborating with them to go backwards. And, uh, and I think it's, it's a little bit more mentally engaging, whereas I think the, uh, the iconography that, uh, that Kirby throws down is a lot more visually engaging. And, and I'm, I'm with you. you know, I'm not like leaning towards one is better than the other, but, uh, but I, I do think choosing your moments to use one or the other really brings something else to the table. And I got to give credit where credit's due. The first person that I really saw doing this in American comics was James Heron. Um, he oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was a, still a, I was a teaching middle school and I was reading his BPRD run. And uh, I had never really seen anybody marry these two styles so well before and 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 get away with it <laughs> you know i, yeah. I never had really seen someone in american comics like making it with like speed lines so this is the first time i've really seen anything like that in the, in the comics world and when i saw that someone could make it doing that kind of style uh with that kind of energy so heavily influenced by manga and japanese you know storytelling i thought to myself man I got to start drawing comics, and I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I remember picking up a like Atomo uh, put out these books, and uh, and you know I was fascinated by Akira as always, but uh, but Atomo also put out these books where it's just like right, here's a book, and the book is primarily like stuff falling or stuff exploding, <laughs> you yeah. know, and uh, and it would just be shots of uh, of characters like punching each other. But you're seeing that moment right after the punch and, and the kinetic reaction. Um, so there were there were all these books that he did that was just drawings of centrifugal and kinetic energy. And I just thought, my God, that's fascinating that this guy is really studying movement and trying to bring that realism of movement into the into the comics that, uh, that he was doing. And that was the first part of our episode with Daniel Warren Johnson. Everybody, thanks so much for listening. Yeah, we'll see you next week. 